Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of That's Right, Bitches. There's so much for us to talk about. I mean, I actually went on a vacation. I went on like three vacations in one week. Um, It was exciting. It was terrifying. It was um, relaxing. It was it was bloating. It was a lot of things. Um, but it was really, mostly it was really nice. And, uh, if I, sorry, if my, I don't know what this is exactly going to sound like. I'm back to using my little plug-in microphone setup. You know, I, I love having AirPods, but they suck for like recording the podcast. So then like, I sometimes will use the old fashioned, uh, uh, headphone things that plug into your phone. But then with the newest iPhone, well, I don't have the newest one, but with the one I have, I think I have a 10, you can't plug in the jack like without that little adapter thing. And now I don't fucking know where the adapter is. And anyway, we're back to this. And I think it's superior sound quality, but it's still very terrible because as we've talked about many times on this show, um, I don't know what I'm doing. So I'm sorry that it's so fucking low rent. Also, I'm currently holding an ice cube to my lip because um, I think I have a zit that's coming up. For some reason, I don't get zits around my mouth very often. But when I do, um, it's always Dosecchi's. No, but when I do get a little zit on a lip area, it it itches like really badly. So I end up having to like shrink it down with this ice cube thing. So anyway, I'll take it off eventually, but that's just my disclaimer so that you and I both know um, that this this is a hack job of a production. So don't worry, I'm aware. How are you? What's going on? Did you take a little summer vacation? I feel like everybody was doing something somewhat fun um, or something to get out of town over the last few weeks. Um, and I really hope that you you were able to do something. Um, but yeah, so I'll talk about that today. Well, why don't I stop prefacing? Let me just get into it. So um, I don't know why, but first I've, I just really want to talk about the Zac Efron show on Netflix. I can't even remember what it's called. I've just been calling it like Eat, Pray, Love with Zac Efron. It's like he is, um, he's, he's a 47-year-old woman living in Indiana and just recently got word that his husband of, you know, 28 years um, has left him for a younger woman. And now she is um, exploring her own life. And what does she want? Uh, Miss Zach. What does she want? Does she want to travel? Uh, Does she want to take a lover? Maybe a few. Does she want to try veganism? She's just not really sure yet what she wants, but she's gonna, by golly, she's gonna get out of Indiana and she's gonna see the world, you see? And uh, that's basically my take, my hot take on the midlife, the midlife crisis that Zac Efron is having on behalf of all women everywhere. It's, um, the premise of the show is great. You know, it's kind of Bourdain-esque, uh, meets, meets somebody feed Phil, but not, but no, it's not so much that. It's, um, there's an element of education that he's trying to do. 
you know, betterment, elevated mental state and all that shit, sustainability. So it's a cool um, premise. And of course, he's just hot as shit. You know, his his you know, you can say like, oh, he's got a body that doesn't quit. He's got eyes and eyelashes that just don't quit. I feel like if he didn't have the same eyes that he has, like we wouldn't care as much, you know? Um, it's just an opinion, but, but look into it. Just like close his eyes, like put your finger over his eyes the next time he's on the screen. And, and you tell me, I think he's going to lose, he's going to go down like at least two or three points. Um, so the show is interesting. I think there's eight or ten episodes, something like that. And each episode, he's in a different locale. And he's going there with some dude that is um, a vegan. And that tells you everything you need to know about him. He's a book. He wrote a book or something. And Zach read the book. Or should I say his babysitter read it to him probably. At least to help with the big words, you know. I don't know why I just, I, well, you know what? I do know why I think he's a little dumb. We'll get to it. But I just feel like he probably, he has such good intentions and he's a sweet, sweet boy, but he's just not that interesting. <laughs> he's just a little, he's just a little one dimensional, you know, and, and, and it's not his fault. You know whose fault it is? Um, Hollywood. He got famous so young and he, he never had to try for anything, and so he doesn't. But now, in the ripe old age of, what is he, like 30 or something, now he's actually trying. And so I, I do actually applaud him for that. Um, some people never do. I mean, look at... Um, I, who's a fucking failed child actor? Whatever. The point is, I applaud his effort. It's a it's a great concept for a show. He goes to these different places, like all over the world. He goes to Iceland. He goes to Puerto Rico. He goes to Sardinia. Um, he goes to Paris. And like every episode, they're kind of talking about an element of sustainability, whether it's the water supply and drinking water being accessible to people, or it's about um, longevity and how do people live to be into their 100s, or um, how do people like ensure that they're living off the land. So like every episode has a different slant. Um, loved, loved, loved the Iceland episode, mostly because like Iceland is like high, high up on my list of places I want to visit next when that's an option. Like I wouldn't recommend doing any, I don't even know if you can do any international travel like from the U S right now, but definitely wouldn't even attempt if it were a thing. But when it, when it's cool and it's safe to go outside again, um, Iceland's high on our list for vacay. So that was really interesting. Um, I it was one of the first episodes that we watched, and now I don't... Oh, oh, they, in that episode, they learn all about, like, um, um, is it steam power? I think it's steam power, like steam energy instead of nuclear energy. Like, Iceland is almost 100% um, green, I guess. Like, they are not using oil and fossils or something. I don't know. Something They're basically just creating their own energy from just like the power of the earth and the steam and the shit. Um, so that was kind of interesting. They also talk about how because they're just like producing their own energy naturally, um, they have heated sidewalks. I know there are some countries or places that do this. Um, I've never personally lived in or been to a place that had heated sidewalks in the winter. I, it's probably like, um, for those of you that don't know what snow is like, 
it's it's akin to on the hottest fucking day of the year, you walking down a sidewalk and getting a nice cool breeze up your skirt, feeling that cool wind all over your hot, damp, for not the right reason, panties. Um, it's just so refreshing and it's just like, oh, so good. I mean, I assume, I don't know what a heated sidewalk is, nor do I know what an air conditioned sidewalk is for that matter. But you know, you got to suspend disbelief here. So they do that in Iceland, which I think is a cool perk because it seems like, I don't know, for a place named Iceland, it, it really lives up to its reputation and it's fucking cold there a lot of the time. So, um, anyway, so that was a great episode. Another good episode was... What, what? Oh, Costa Rica was one where he goes and they meet up with this dude. And immediately I was like, oh, this guy runs a commune. This guy is no better than Don Antle from Tiger King running a fucking harem of tiger trainers. But instead of tiger trainers, they're herbologists, like ladies who love plants. Um... However, throughout the course, I mean, I don't think that I was, I don't think I'm wrong. I'm definitely positive that this man has sex with every single woman of age. I, I'll give him that, that comes on to this little like island oasis that he's built. But basically like it's a commune. He's got this whole um, like separate community somewhere on the island of Costa Rica where um, they're 100% trying to live off the land. And the the concepts are really cool. You know, it's like, it back in the day, well, not back in the day, but like up until recent modern times, we couldn't transport food. You had the, you only had the access to the food that was near you, you know, and you were gonna chop down a cherry tree and eat those cherries the same day, dag nabbit. And so that's kind of the principles there. So it's like we're gonna um, create our own food systems. They capture all their fucking waste and they use the gas from the shit as a power source, not dissimilar to Iceland, like literally bags of shit just inflated so that they can get the Zac Efron show there in Costa Rica, commune land. And then he's at another place and it was like a little, they had to like take a boat, some tiny, tiny little island that probably is not even a real place. It's just like off the map, a little Epstein-esque kind of um, island. I, you know what? Shouldn't have said that. Would not want to draw the parallel that this guy is a pedophile or sex trafficking because all these people seemed real, real glad to be there and they all seemed of age. But you know what I'm saying? Just a little bit remote. Um, and... Uh, again, it was just like they all they do is prepare food. And, and there, there's nothing wrong with that. It's actually my idea of a really good time. But at the same time, it just seems like there's not any relaxing, you know? And like if you're on a tropical island, wouldn't you just want to kind of like do nothing a little bit? I don't know. It's just me. But anyhow, so then the last episode that we watched was Sardinia. Now, I did want to talk about this in a little more um, detail. Oh, before I move on, let's just... Call a spade a spade, all right? Zac Efron is many things. Um, heartthrob, um, probably like great singer, um, um, incapable of reading above a third grade level probably. He is many things, but what he is not is a foodie. He, this boy does not appreciate good food, 
I mean, I don't think he dislikes food, but he doesn't have an appreciation for some of the things he was doing or the things he had access to on this trip. He would eat like this gourmet chocolate that he made with the chocolate maker in the Iceland, an Iceland episode. And he just put all this fucking shit in the chocolate and he takes a bite of it. He's like, oh, it's terrible. And it's like, yeah, you can't put smoked lava sea salt and also, you know, crystallized no you could do ginger i don't know he was just putting like teddy grams and salt and fruit and shit all up in this dark chocolate and it's like yeah you just maybe it was great i don't know but um i don't i wouldn't listen to him for food recos so he's like in sardinia and they're making pasta by hand with little old italian ladies i'm like that is a dream i mean oh my god like bucket list item for sure you can just like kill me right after it happens because i can die happy um and so he's making this pasta and he's just terrible he's just bad in the kitchen maybe it's come a better way maybe it was part of the journey for him i don't want to speak on his behalf but i'm going to anyway uh and i just don't think that he really had an appreciation for it the experience but they go to sardinia and they go to sardinia which is in a, a little a uh, little town little city town island i don't know it's somewhere in italy somewhere in the boot and they go there because it is one of the blue zones and i'm pretty sure i've talked about the blue zones on here before but in case you missed that episode or in case i didn't um or maybe you've just forgotten here's the refresher the blue zones refer to the places on planet earth um in which there is a higher uh population like per capita or whatever an exorbitantly high number of centarians meaning people that live to 100 years old and up so these blue zones have a really high percentage of people who basically live a long fucking time and there's a couple scientists that have been studying these areas of the world for many many years there was a book that they wrote i think in the last decade uh, about it and I'm sure that and they still research it because there's so much to learn and observe about the about these environments and they're trying to unearth what is unique to these blue zones that allows for their population um, to live longer and not just live longer but also live healthfully and I think that's what's really important it's like I don't know about you but like if I knew that like if someone was like, okay, yeah, you can live until you're 100 years old, but for like the last 20 years, you won't be able to walk. Or the last 20 years, you're not going to know who anyone is. Like something like, like if you knew that you were going to live a long time, but but the trade-off was your life was going to suck somehow, would you want to? I, I don't think I would. It's not just about like, it's not just the, the um, what's that word? Long play? Uh... Whatever. It's not just about the longevity. It's about the quality of your longevity. So when, when I refer to longevity, I'm actually referring not simply to getting older, but also a quality of life. That's, that's the way I refer to longevity. So getting old is one thing. Staying mentally and physically capable is another thing. To me, longevity is both of those things. That's just my personal definition. But anyway, so they study these places. There's only one in the entire United States, by the way. Like, we're a big fucking country. We take up a hell of a lot of uh, real estate on this planet. And yet, we only have one of these, like, I don't know, 
eight or something blue zones. Like three or four of them exist in Europe. And then several of them exist in Asia. It's like, it's just like the proportions are off. But at the same time, the United States, Americans are fucking disgusting and stupid and slow for the uptick and shit. So it kind of makes sense. Anyway, the one in, in the U.S. is out in California. It's somewhere in Santa Barbara, around Santa Barbara, I should say. And I'm sure it's beautiful. But okay, here, back to the thing. And I'm kind of like flip-flopping a little bit today. Normally, I usually, t I'll talk about the healthy thing or the health-related element uh, at the back end. And today, I'm pulling it forward because I just thought it was really, I don't know, I just think it's, this is an, an interesting thing for us all to think about. So they're in Sardinia. And it's, I guess, one of the hot spots for these, these, this blue zone. Uh, it's like a super, super cool one of the blue zones. And... Um, they're there and of course they're in Italy so they're eating pasta and they're talking about why these people live a long time. I believe the reason I brought this up in the past in one of the other episodes was to talk about the importance of community and that is a big component. So of course it's things like um, your activity level, your mental stimulation, um, your diet, your nutrition and then there's another element of like your community and feeling like you're a part of something. I think if you have not yet picked up on the fact that like COVID is warping your reality on some level or wavelength. Um, it is like quarantine is making people depressed, unhappy, frustrated, easily upset, easily triggered because your world has become so much smaller. And yet at the same time, so your world's physically become smaller, but you're, if you're active on social media or you're trying to keep up with the news, your world has also become really big and chaotic. And so you're being triggered by, um, you're just not feeling like you're maybe a part of community of, of, a, of the same kind of community you were up to this point. And you feel like the world and all of its happenings are happening to you and around you versus being a part of something bigger. I'm just kind of like, this is my, my perspective on the thing. It's certainly how I feel, right? You're not necessarily seeing your friends or your family as much. Maybe you can't. Maybe you know someone who has a compromised immune system. Maybe you've just found out that they're planning to vote for Donald Trump in November and you're like, fuck you. I don't want to ever see you again. There's a lot of reasons why you may not be as social in this moment as you would have been five, six months ago. And my God, it's insane. It's actually been that long. But here's where I'm going with this. It's a very, very important element of your overall um, mental well-being to be a part of a community. So whether that's a church group or it's your group of friends, or maybe you have a really big family, one way or the other, like as we get older, especially, it is so fucking important to have a sense of belonging. And I'm not talking about that in the reg in regards to like, I want to fit in. It's not like you need to... Um, Regina George, or excuse me, better comparison, Gretchen Wieners yourself into a community. It's more that you are still a part of a community. You know, my uh, Pure Bar Studio was providing a lot of that element for a lot of people I know. Um, you know, because a lot of women with kids, especially um, kids in elementary school, they're so they're still very reliant on their on their parents and all that. It's like you can't just be a parent for someone else. You need to still be a fully formed version of you. So like going to the gym and seeing the people at your gym or your fitness studio, whatever it is, it can be a community that makes you feel like I have purpose. I exist, whatever. 
And I think that was a big part of why I talked about Blue Zones last time, the importance of community. And that community can even be as micro as like just your nuclear family, the people that live in your home with you. Um, and a lot of times what happens in these blue zones is that as people get older, they continue to live with their nuclear family. So rather than being shipped off to a nursing home or an assisted living kind of environment, they stay in the house. I'm not suggesting that like, that's what I would want to do if I'm, as I'm older or what we should do, whatever. But it's just a way of saying like these older people, as they age, they do not get cast aside. Their opinions still matter. Their stories and the history that they know of the family still matters as valued and so that community element is super, super key, okay? However, at the same, not, not a however, also important is, of course, nutrition. And as we all, I think, know, Italy is known for pasta. You know, yes, fish and olive oil and wine, but pasta is a, a massive component of the Italian um uh, food DNA. And they're often making really, really fresh pasta. It's not like here where it's like you go to the grocery store, you're buying a dried pasta. I'm sure that exists, you know, but particularly in this community in Sardinia, they're making pasta by hand. They're doing it fresh. What the scientists uncovered is, and this is what kind of blew my mind. And I don't think I realized quite to this level of detail is what these scientists uncovered is the people who are living into their 100 years of age plus and that are doing it healthfully are actually eating a what they refer to as a low protein diet. Now that threw me for a fucking loop because you'll recall in the last couple months, I did a little experiment with macros. It was horrible. Big miss for me. Huge miss. Would not recommend. Zero stars. Um, but what that experiment um, taught me was that I need to eat more protein. And that's according to just like calculators and shit that I was using online. You know, but generally speaking, I think most most health and wellness professionals or um, hobbyists are well aware that in an American diet, at least, we talk about high protein. You got to get your protein in if you want to build lean muscle mass. Protein will help fill you up. Um, you know, most people don't eat enough protein. You should eat about 0.7 grams of protein for your body weight, you know? And so like, in other words, I was doing, I'm like, fuck, it's really hard to hit these protein numbers, um, just in food alone. And I found myself supplementing quite a bit with, um, vital proteins, collagen powder, which is fine. Um, or trying to eat like more protein rich meats when I like, like shrimp fish, for example, has a ton of protein. So it's not that it's bad to get protein, but what they were saying is this American outlook on protein consumption, a gram of protein for every pound of, of weight that you carry is, is way too high. So what it sounded more like they were saying is the, the diets of these people that are living healthfully into their 100s are eating about half a gram of protein for their body weight. And I think that's just a rough guess. But in other words, where the average American is led to believe we should be eating at least 100 grams of protein a day, you know, like roughly, roughly, obviously for men or people that are big and carrying a ton of muscle, they would want more, I guess, according to the American guidelines. 
They're saying that's really high. That is not what these people who live to be 100 years plus and in a healthy way, that's not what they're doing. They prop, they're eating more like 60 grams, 70 grams of protein a day. And by the way, that's a hell of a lot more manageable. And my, for me personally, I wouldn't necessarily have to supplement with protein products um, if that's what I was aiming for. So I found that interesting. And then at the same time, they were talking about carbohydrates because, you know, pretty boy Zac Efron, I'm sorry, Miss Zac Efron was explaining how like when he got, he had to get cut up for some movie or something. And he's like, I didn't need a carbohydrate for like six months or something is what he said, you know, because that was what he was guided to do. And of course, like, you know, it's, you, you probably know someone who has gotten into fantastic shape by reducing their carbohydrates, particularly their sugars and their simple carbohydrates. And it's just like, he's talking about how pasta, who the fuck doesn't like pasta? I understand if you can't eat it because you have a gluten sensitivity, which is a totally different thing because of course, there's a whole sub different subject on the quality of the wheat and how many people with gluten sensitivities and allergies can actually eat wheat and pasta and bread, no problem in Europe because their fucking supply hasn't been bastardized by technology. Anyway, I digress. Um, so he's talking about how like, wow, I'm going to be able to eat pot. You're telling me these active people that are 100 and 102 and all these people in their hundreds that they're eating pasta and they're okay. And the guy's like, the scientist's like, yeah, these motherfuckers eat fucking pasta. This is not a direct quote, but that's the sentiment. And Miss um, Efron was beside herself, you know, the vegan also quite excited. This vegan, by the way, he is, um, he's a walking Ken doll. That's pretty much what he looks like. Uh, he a hundred percent all your, all like Eastern European heritage, you know, blonde. He, um, is tall. He for a vegan is really muscular, um, and has the biggest crush on Zac Efron. So they, they talk a little more about this. So here's the point. The point is they're not eating crazy amounts of protein. Yes, they eat pasta, but here was my other observation of the show. They don't eat a lot of pasta either. You know, we're all used to fucking Olive Garden going in endless breadsticks and ravioli or whatever. And like, even like in my own home, the bowls I have probably are more like even my smallest bowl if I filled it halfway would still probably be more pasta than what um these folks eat at a meal in a setting like of pasta like imagine a um like you know those little paper cups from like an ice cream shop or whatever and they can put like one scoop of ice cream in like imagine that little bowl and it's filled about two-thirds of the way up like that's probably how much pasta that they're eating in a sitting. Um, they made these little, these beautiful raviolis and tortellinis on the, on the show. And they sit down to eat them. And I know that there's, you know, for the show, maybe they weren't having full portions. But at the same time, I, I don't know why this, this little lady in a, you know, little tiny town making pasta by hand in her fucking basement with her... Um, I was going to say her doula, but that's not what they call a grandma in Italian. <laughs> her nanny, whatever. Anyway, the, the old lady, the matriarch of the family down there watching her. Do, I don't think she would have like for show just been like, let me like put a dainty serving on your plate. What I noticed was there were like four or five raviolis total on the plate. And that was it. 
It was a small, it was a very small, reasonable portion, but enough that you would enjoy it. And that'd be that. You go on with your day. I'm sure that they eat other things, right? Like I'm sure that there's a little bit of fish. I'm sure there's a bit of salad, some vegetables, something like that. And I'm not suggesting they sit down and they eat this like small, like meager handful of pasta and they call it a day, but it's just to say the portion sizes are much smaller. And so here was my big takeaway. And, and in fact, this is where intermittent fasting people are going to be all about like, you know, agreeing with me. I believe that a big component and I think they've talked about this, by the way. I'm not inventing this for the first time. But the observation I really took away from this is, A, we don't need to f- focus on pro- protein probably quite the way that we do. does not mean I'm going to be a vegetarian. does not mean I'm going vegan. I'm 100% going to keep eating meat. I'm just not going to freak out about like, Ugh, I probably should add some more collagen proteins in my show. You know? it's not, I'm just not going to worry about it. Um, but then two, it's that they just don't eat much, you know? And that's it goes back to Michael Pollan's whole thing, you know? Um, eat real food, mostly plants, not too much. And look, I, I'm constantly talking about like my, my weight loss and like what I want out of my body and my physique goals. And I'm, I'm just dealing with all kinds of shit, but ultimately it's like, I want to have, for me personally, I want my body to be highly muscular. I want you to see some muscle definition in my physique. Um, muscle definition or uh, lean muscle mass is another thing for longevity that's important to me. Also, I just think it looks really good in clothes. Okay. And then two, um, so is leanness. Like I want leanness. And in order to achieve that, I think that there's that, that piece of not too much that's so important. And that's what I really observed about that episode of the Miss Efron show in Sardinia is these people, they eat really delicious things, but they don't focus on crazy on going crazy on protein. They're not fucking at it, adding vital proteins, collagen peptides to their coffee in the morning to live to be a hundred. No, they might have coffee. You know what else they're going to have? Wine. He goes and he visits this man who's 100, I think he's 101. And this man gets around better than I do. He go, He's walking down his steps with no assistance. They sit down on a bench outside of his house. And then they decide, let's go for a walk. Because he goes on a walk like twice a day, every single day. He's sitting down on a bench, right? Knees bent, hands on his um, thighs. Zach's like, okay, let's go. This man... Boom, he jumps in the axe. It's spry. Like he's got a fucking spring in his ass. He's up in, in no problem at all. He didn't have to grab onto something. He didn't need help. He didn't even have to like put his own hands on himself. He just, he just straightened his legs and he stood up, you know, like an eager 14 year old at a fucking bar mitzvah. I don't know. As I take a sip of my prebiotic drink. So, I found it fascinating. And of course, this man's active. You know, he goes on these walks, these long walks around his neighborhood and there's stone streets, you know, cobble streets or whatever. Not even streets, really. It's like a little Italian village. So, you know, he's just like going up and down all these windy little back alleys and up and down stairs and like up an incline. And so you have to stay active, of course. I mean, you have to do a lot of things if you want to live a long time and you want it to be a healthy life. But I, I just found that the caloric... Ultimately, it's like there's an element of caloric restriction that goes into the nutrition element. It's not just the what you eat, it's the how much you eat. And that's kind of where intermittent fasting has gotten so popular with people 
there's a whole school of thought that believes if you're doing intermittent fasting, if you're only eating for a sit from a um, in a six to eight hour window, which is how a lot of intermittent fasting programs are designed, you can only eat so many calories. And while that may be true for some people, it's not true for everyone. It's definitely not true for me. I've done intermittent fast. Look, here's the deal. I challenge you to tell me about a diet or a nutrition concept that I haven't tried. I refuse to try veganism, refuse, refuse, refuse. But like, I've tried all these, these things. Um, just trying to see what works for me. And the reason that there are so many concepts is because there is not just one. Like, no, veganism will never work for me because I don't want to be a vegan. But that does not mean veganism couldn't work for someone else just as well as something that I do. So it's not that I, I don't think that, I do not believe there is one diet that rules supreme for everyone by any means. Um, but I have tried a lot of things just to see what, so, so for that reason, I've tried many different things, different flavors, different variations of these nutrition lifestyle ideals to see what does work for me. And I know that macros doesn't work for me. And I know that intermittent fasting doesn't work for me because I just, I like to eat breakfast. That's the bottom line. Um, but for a lot of people, it can be really, really helpful for restricting how much they eat. You know, and if you're the kind of person who you don't like to eat breakfast, then intermittent fasting may be the perfect fit for you, you know? Um, and likewise, if you don't really like red meat, but you don't mind eating fish, then being a pescatarian might work great for you. So it's like, you got to find the stuff that kind of fits in the, 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 the square peg and the square hole. And that's a little different for everybody. But all this to say the calorie restriction is ultimately no matter which lifestyle or nutrition program you really want to follow. And it also isn't even about weight loss, by the way, but like nutri or excuse me, caloric restriction is ultimately what sits at the heart of your health and your well-being and any kind of physical changes you might be interested in seeing in your body. Now, very different for people who are actually trying to gain mass for whatever that reason may, might be. Could be someone recovering from an eating disorder, could be someone who's actually trying to create more muscle in their body and so they want to get bigger. In that case, you not that in that case, caloric restriction or deficit is not going to help you in those cases. However, when it comes to your longevity, you do want to be mindful on a regular day-to-day -day, lifelong basis of like your overall caloric intake. I can't, I'm not, I'm just not educated enough on the whole muscle building, like bodybuilder types, even CrossFit dudes who want to put on mass and bulk because the heavier you are, the heavier shit you can lift, you know, like there's some, there's math and physics and shit that goes into that. So like, I'm just not educated enough to speak to that and how it, and it, and there's just, it doesn't seem to be that there's a lot of research on the longevity of folks like that. But again, when we're talking about the blue zones, the big one is that these people in these regions of the world, they live a fuck ton longer than anywhere else. They also live very, very healthfully into these old age, older ages. Um, and they seem happier as well. So what we know from these places is it's not about high protein. In fact, they eat quite a lot of carbohydrates, but they just don't eat a ton of that of anything really. So here's my new diet plan. Three bites and you're out. You get three bites of food at your meal and then that's that. I'm kidding, I'm not gonna do that, but I mean, maybe. Um, so I recommend watching a few of Miss Efron's show episodes. Start with, um, go to Iceland, go with him to 
is it I think they go to Paris that's cool because they talk all about the water system and how they and then he sees a water sommelier in fucking LA because of course it's in fucking LA and he does that with Anna Kendrick who I think has had sex with him if not she wants to it's probably not going to happen for her. But, you know, like, you can watch some awkward tension between the two of them. She'll make a few awkward jokes. They'll drink some water, and they'll be like, oh, yeah, this one's really thick. I mean, it, they're not actually – like I said at the top, he's not a foodie, so he doesn't really appreciate it in the same way. But there, it's, it's, it's a good show. There's those gems. You'll get a few gems. And if for sure you watch nothing else, watch the Sardinia episode, because if you don't know about the Blue Zones, that'll be a helpful um, – foray into that foray into that all right let's take a quick break here and then when we come back i'm going to talk to you all about fucking vacation all right what a lovely ad aren't i so adorable <laughs> um leave your reviews in the comments uh i hold on i need to take another drink another sip of my drink okay so i went on vacation if you follow me on instagram I apologize. You may know a lot about this journey already, but maybe there's some new things I'll tell you. In fact, I'm definitely going to tell you new things. Um, so way back in the beginning of COVID fears, I my birthday is July 5th. So we usually go somewhere. We go out of town. We do something special. And back in February, maybe it was late February, early March, something like that, as the quarantine was starting to take effect, um, we had discussed going to Puerto Rico for my birthday. We were like, well, it'll be okay by then because of course we all thought it would all be over within a few weeks. That was dumb. But, um, we thought it'd be over and we were like, yeah, Puerto Rico should be fine. Right? Like this isn't going to get there. Whatever. So we book it. And then of course, over the next couple of months, a lot of shit changes. And then come June, we were keeping an eye on it. So we called the resort. We're just like, Hey, is you know, is anything open? Are y'all able to have tourists even? And they were like, yeah, but you know, there we're getting new updates from the governor like every couple of weeks. So we should know more before your trip, you know? So then after a little bit before July, the, the governor announced that they would be reopening for tourism July 15th. So our trip was originally scheduled July 1st to July 8th. And when they made this announcement, I was like, well, look, we don't exactly, oh man, Kyle's coming home. Fuck. Well, we don't exactly, I'm going to have to cut that. Uh, we don't exactly know. Um, we don't, God, I'm so distracted. So they said the tourism was going to reopen July 15th. And so since we didn't exactly know what would be open prior to that, I was like, let's just move it back. That'll be a sure thing, right? Like if they're saying that tourism isn't open now, but it will be on the 15th, then that seems like that's when we should go. So we pushed the trip back like a week and a half and um, we were all set to go on July 15th. And then like the first few weeks of, or the first few days of July, then they announced that you have to get, in order to come into Puerto Rico, now you have to get a COVID test within 72 hours of your flight. And of course, you know, you wanna get a negative result. Um, and if you don't get a negative result, then they're going to do a test there at the airport to test you, or you have to quarantine until you get your results. And if you have a positive result, you have to quarantine until you leave to go home. So it was very stressful to just think about getting there, but I made it happen. I found a doctor who she actually has like kind of a co-op. It's cool. I'm not going to get into it. Long story short, she does house calls. She's fully doing, um, saliva based COVID tests 
They are PCR tests, but they're just saliva-based instead of nasal swabs. So the so and in addition to her being able to give us the test within that very narrow window of time, that three days before our flight, because I live in Houston, and as you probably know at this point in time, it is a fucking hot zone. Um, getting a COVID test is not as simple as making you know going within the range that you want. It's very much a lottery in some places. So. She was able to come to our house and she's doing these saliva tests. And because they are used much less frequently than the, the nasal swab tests, the labs are not nearly as backed up. So we were able to get our test within 72 hours and also our negative results before we got on the plane. So we got super lucky in that way. And in case you missed it, negative results. Both of us, Kyle and I, tested negative for COVID, as we very much suspected, before we flew to Puerto Rico within that three-day period. So we did everything. We had to pay 200 bucks a piece for our tests. We were like, it's worth it. We're going to go. All right. I've just had to move locations. Kyle has come home and interrupted my very, very, very serious and important work podcasting. So I'm in my room now. So I don't know if it sounds different. We're going to roll with it. Okay. As I was saying, we, we go do all these things that they asked of us. And by the way, I do not think that everyone did. Um, we stressed ourselves out a lot in order to, you know, adhere to their policies and all that. So we felt good about it. We're on the plane. We're like, yes, we did it. So we land we get stuck in very terrible traffic on the way to the resort because they had decided to close down the main highway down to one lane for road construction, which felt a little unnecessary at like 3 p.m., but that's what they decided to do. So it's kind of like the trip just was already off to like a weird start. I'm not suggesting traffic means like you're gonna have a horrible trip. It was just like a combination of things. Um, and then we check in and it was very, very clear. It was going to be a very different experience. So we have been to this resort in Puerto Rico before it's been about four years and it was before, I believe it was hurricane Maria, I believe that had come through later that year and just fucking decimated that poor Island. So we knew that like they had done some renovations here and there, but we were really excited to go back and we had an amazing experience the last time. So we knew it'd be different, but we were also like, totally fine. We're going to be in paradise. So we get there and then I'm sitting at the, like, when we check in, you sit down at a desk. I'm sitting in a wet chair and it just doesn't make any sense. Like the, the edge of it. I was like, why is my ass wet? I don't think I'm incontinent. And then sure enough, I look down and the chair is just like got this big puddle in it. So it was just again, it was like another weird thing that happened that in the moment, you're not necessarily sure should be a sign. But once you add them all up, you're like, oh yeah, it was like, so we check in. Um, they then explain to us how things would be a little different. Um, oh, they took our temperature like four times. There's a gate to get onto the property. They took our temperature there. And then when you go in to do the check-in, like they do your temperature check again, it was pretty intense. Um, but again, that's why we could feel good about being there. Like we knew that we weren't sick. We were like, we we're wearing our masks so that even if we were, but like we were doing all the right things. So they explained that um, housekeeping will only come every other day. And we're like, all right, fine. And then they explain that we have to make a reservation for everything that we might want to do while we're on the property, including going to the gym, um, going to this little like, like lake area that they have to paddleboard or kayak, 
I didn't make a reservation. By the way, bear in mind, we didn't have to do that at all last time. This is purely a quarantine COVID measure to keep um, the group number low of like gatherings of people. So again, we were like, okay, NBD. We'll use our towels a couple days in a row. That's fine. We will, we made an appointment for the gym every single morning that we were going to be there. We got all that shit ironed out. And then we're like, okay, we're going to go put our stuff down. Let's go eat. So then we go and eat at the restaurant, the one restaurant. And it's a big resort, you know? So normally they have like three restaurants and the bar. And this time they only had the restaurant open. And the bar was open that first day. But they were serving exactly the same stuff as the restaurant. The restaurant was good, but there were only like four options on the menu. So again, I mean, like any one of these things, you're like, okay, I can figure this fine, it's fine. But for an eight day vacation, where you're pretty much limited to just that one restaurant, to only be able to choose between like four items on the menu, I, I just imagine for anybody would make you just about go insane at some point. And it wasn't like there was tons of variety in those four options. It was like two chicken options and two beef options. They didn't have a fucking flatbread or even a pasta dish. So I don't know, it just was like, this doesn't seem great. And unlike Miss Zach Efron, I am a foodie. Now that said, what we ordered was delicious. The food was good that just few, fewer options. And then the thing that just really trapped my ass was the dessert. You know, I'm like, look, there's a lot of things I can put up with. You know, I can put up with the fact that you're clearly down a lot of staff and you're cutting costs quite a bit to try and manage, you know, the fucking turmoil of this whole thing. I can put up with a lot, but what I can't put up with is a resort whose dessert menu is limited to only chocolate cake, or ice cream. The fuck? Am I a six-year-old? Is this Matilda with the character, what's his, Augustin Glump? I'm getting my movie references confused and my um, Roald Dahl books mixed up. But suffice it to say, I am not a chocolate cake kind of bitch. I'm more of a creme brulee, a tres leches, a little... Um, a fine pistachio gelato. Like I'm not, I don't do chocolate desserts really. I'm not, I don't hate chocolate, but it's never going to be my first choice on a dessert menu, particularly cake, chocolate cake and chocolate icing. What the fuck? Like that's insulting. It's just insulting for the kind of resort that we're, and then ice cream. They weren't even making like their own ice cream. It wasn't like they had all these beautiful flavor combinations like amaretto or blackberry or, you know, fresh churned buttermilk peach or something that would be seasonal. Fucking vanilla ice cream, y'all. And I mean, look, I don't care that you don't respect my point of view on this. <laughs> I can just, I can just hear the loathing um, through the microphone. But it, it just, it was, it was very, very disappointing. Again, remember, we've been there before and it was nothing like that at all. So um, it was upsetting. That was day one. <laughs> but we only got, we got in late. We didn't do the beach. We didn't have time for any of that stuff. So that was like the first, I was like, whatever, we'll sleep it off. No big deal. So then the next day we're able to go to the gym. We ended up going to the beach. We spent, we were the only people on the beach because I believe the resort was capped at like 60% of occupancy. So, um, it was already small in terms of their normal uh, occupancy rate, but there was literally no one on the beach. Like we, they had no staff on the beach, so we weren't even expecting to get like drinks or anything. Normally they'll come by, ask you if you want something to drink or eat or whatever. 
and that didn't happen. And again, we were totally okay with that. But about an hour and a half after we were there, one of the waiters actually did come out and take our order because they realized we were there. So it wasn't that they weren't offering it. It was just that no one was out there. I just want you to know that's a really important thing. I'm foreshadowing what's to come here. So it's just very important that you understand there was no one on the fucking beach. And then with a few hours of like, not a few, I guess we had like a couple hours before we needed to wrap up for dinner. So then we go to the pool, same deal at the pool. I mean, there were plenty of people at the pool, but it was very well spaced. We were never like crowded. Um, and we were only out there for maybe an hour and a half or so. And then we called it a night. We're like, well, we didn't call it a night. We called it a day. And then we got ready. We go to dinner and had a nice dinner. We went to a different restaurant. It's like part of the resort, but also not. They have residences. And so it's like a beach club over there. And the food, we, again, it was a better restaurant because there were different items on the menu, but also in addition to the chocolate cake, they also had cheesecake. And that was, that was a massive improvement. So I did have a non-chocolate cake dessert. So I'm like, okay, cool. This isn't so bad as it'd be fine. We're gonna, we're having a great time. So we get back to our hotel. It's like nine o'clock and underneath our door, they had slipped a piece of paper. And you know, I'm thinking, I don't know, we didn't think anything of it. But when we read it, it was an announcement from the governor who just that evening had announced. So we arrive on July 15th. It is now July 16th. We've been there 26 hours. And the governor has announced that all effective immediately, all beaches and pools are closed. You can only be at the beach if you're going to be in the water or you're working out but no lounging and also the pools. So no pool whatsoever. And also <clears throat> you can't order a drink after 7 p.m. I mean, among other things, right? Like no gyms can be open, blah, blah, blah. So basically any and everything that we could enjoy at this resort that was not actively working out outside, we could not do. Oh, no, wait, I'm sorry. I take that back. You know what's okay? Spa appointments were okay. So you could go in in a room with a stranger and uh, be in there for an hour and let them touch your body all over. That was okay. But you could not lounge by the pool. So it made no fucking sense. And especially infuriating because um, this bitch should have announced this decision prior to July 15th, which had always up to that point been the date that they planned to reopen for tourism. And I don't know about you, but closing beaches and pools and fucking not serving drinks after 7 p.m. sure doesn't sound like being open for tourism to a me and my American ass. But, well, I mean, I know Puerto Rican is American, but, you know, my, my, my uh, contiguous America, <laughs> whatever. So, yeah, that was some fucking shit. But the worst part was, so, so, yeah, that was all very inconvenient. We had just gotten there. We had another seven days to go. And they basically just were like, yeah, you can enjoy your room for the next seven days. And, like, the view is great and everything, but that just kind of wasn't what we had in mind. So, um, but what really pushed over the edge for me was I had read some, I was just, like, reading online about this, this update, this new mandate. And this governor had apparently wanted to shut down travel from Texas and Florida. And guess where we fucking came from? We came from fucking Texas, the Lone Star goddamn state. And that was really what freaked us out. I was like, look, if we can't get home, that's, that is the worst case scenario. 
Like the resort being an, an ill-equipped to have us is like, whatever. But if we can't get home, we're, that's super fucked. So we made the calls. We went to the kitchen, rearranged a few things, and then uh, got on a plane the very next fucking day. So we arrived on July 15th in Puerto Rico and we turned right back around on July 17th and left. And remember, we do not have COVID. So that was really cool. And look, I know you're probably like, I don't give a fuck. I don't feel sympathy towards you at all. Poor little vacation girl. You got to go somewhere. Like your trip to where I'm so sorry. You're right. You're 110% right. Like this is not that big of a deal in the grand scheme of things. It was more just like all the, all the planning and, and believe it or not, there was some stress associated with it. You know, thinking about the COVID test, how do we make that happen? The money we spent on that, the just emotional element of being excited for a vacation. And then it just gets taken from you. I mean, like, you know, it's not the worst problem in the world, but it was still, you know, it still bummed us out. Um, and I felt really bad for Kyle. Cause I mean, I certainly needed a vacation, but so did he, you know, like, I, can you imagine living with me? Oh my God, he needs a vacation from me. I mean, I did, I was going to be there, but like, I just felt really bad for him. And especially that last day, like he had, a, he was like, do you think that we're making a mistake by leaving? Cause we made, we made the mistake of going for a very wistful walk on the beach just to enjoy it for the last few hours. And then he said that to me and I was like, wait, what? I had no qualms whatsoever. I was like, no, hundred percent. This is the right thing to do. But he then asked that question and then I started to feel really, really guilty and terrible. And then I ended up having like a panic attack because I felt so bad and, and it was just a fucking mess. So it, long and short of it is Puerto Rico was a goddamn nightmare. Um, and unless you can drive to your vacation destination, I would say just do not go. Um, I know a couple people actually told me that they canceled their trips to Puerto Rico because of my thing. And I, 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 I think you're doing the right thing. I mean, it really sucks. Find an alternative vacation. That's what we did. And it was amazing. We had such a good vacation. So what ended up happening is we get home, it's late. Um, we kind of discussed maybe we could go somewhere else, but we also didn't like prioritize that we were just exhausted and just wanted to like be done with the whole thing. So we get home on a Saturday and um, Kyle learned of the getaway houses. And if you are not familiar, so the getaway houses are probably, you've probably seen their ads on Instagram. They're like tiny cabins and they're located in all kinds of spots all over the US. Um, I wanna say they're in like 20 cities or something like that. So they're not everywhere, but they're in a lot of major areas, particularly close to urban centers. Um, so they have one about an hour outside of Houston and I'd seen them before and I was like, oh, that looks cool. I mean, it looks like it is small. Basically every photo that you see is just of the window that's like sits right over the bed. And then like the view is something spectacular, like fucking lakes and mountains or beautiful trees or whatever. Um, and usually there's some like wafy girl in the robe, which is weird because they actually don't have robes. So she definitely brought her own, which I also wouldn't recommend. I mean, unless it's fucking freezing cold, just because like there's not a lot of room in there. But I digress. We booked it. Um, and we went for just one night and we got there kind of late and then we didn't stay too long. So it was, we were there for less than 24 hours, but it was only an hour drive for us and it was lovely. And y'all, I do not camp. I take great pride in the fact that I've never been camping, nor will I ever. Um, I'm not a fucking possum. I'm not going to sleep on the ground like a fucking animal disgusting. Um, and good thing that we weren't because it rained a few different times. It rained while we were there. I, I just don't understand why people want to sleep outside. It's fucking gross. 
Um, but we did the cabin thing. We went for a little walk through the area. Um, they give you, there's a fire pit and there's Adirondack chairs and there's a picnic table and all of this is like right on your little property and they have rules. It's like, you know, you have to be, you can't be making noise after 10 o'clock. Um, it's very respectful. It's like a nice little getaway, literally. Um, you have a big bed and then they have electricity. They have a real bathroom with plumbing. So it's perfect. It's all, um, like it's kind of like probably an Airbnb vibe, but it's not Airbnb. So it's like this actual company. Um, like I mentioned, they have locations all over and everything is totally like, um, uh, contactless, I guess. Like you get a code or something to check in. There's no like lobby or whatever. Um, they provide you with all kinds of like supplies. You don't have to bring pots, pans, dishes, all that shit's there, including like aluminum foil. And I guess Kyle needed it for something that we were gonna eat. So when he realized that they didn't have foil in the kitchen, there is a number you can call. And then if you need something, this girl comes by and you have like this long driveway into your little getaway property. So this girl comes by in her car and she's probably like 18 and it's like a summer job. And she's just like, I'm just doing this until I can get the fuck out of here and move to New York City, you know? Like she's just there and she's she puts your thing, in this case, a box of aluminum foil, and then she wraps it in like, I guess like a, like a kind of a small trash bag thing. Like it's wrapped in a plastic box. And then she just sets it on the little sign indicating your cabin. It's probably very like old school camp style, but as someone who only went to camp one time and then left early because like it fucking sucked, um, I feel like it probably was reminiscent, just can't confirm. But if you need something, so in other words, if you need something, there's someone there and they can get you shit, but, um, but otherwise you really don't need it. So it was awesome. We had delicious steaks, we made s'mores, um, we played Monopoly, like they don't have a TV, they don't have Wi-Fi. you got service, but like that's the whole point, it's just unplug. And so given what everything that we had just been through with this whole Puerto Rico debacle, it was a perfect little one night thing to get away. And prior to that, we had also decided we were gonna go back to Bachelor Gulch, which if you aren't familiar, it's a few hours outside of Denver in Colorado beautiful mountain town. We went last fall, had an amazing time, decided we would go back in the summer because we actually went in between seasons. So they kind of didn't have a lot going on. It was pretty fucking dead. So um, even though it's a ski town properly, it's still like a cool mountain town. They had a ton of stuff going on. Um, they had this awesome lake. Oh, it was great. Anyway, point is, so we decided to go there um, and it was amazing. Like, I'm not gonna talk about that other than it was just fucking amazing. You know, we went on hikes the whole time and like every day I fucking felt like I was an old lady cause my knees hurt really bad after the first day. They're not used to moving in that way. They were inflamed as fuck. But by the third day they felt a lot better. Things were good, things were good. We had excellent food, unlike the property in Puerto Rico, which was clearly dealing with some major budget cuts. Um, even though this property might have been in the same boat, they weren't doing nearly as bad of a job showing it. You know, like they had a full menu. Um, they didn't have room service every day. They only had room service like Thursday through Saturday and they only had it at certain times. So like they didn't have all day dining. And that is kind of a bummer, you know, we had one lazy day where we didn't leave the hotel until like four o'clock and that was kind of tough, but like it, you make it work, right? It was a very, very small thing that was barely a thing at all. Um, but 
they had this little lake at the bottom of the mountain. It's called uh, Nottingham Lake. We we did a big old hike. I thought I was gonna die on that hike. It was like our second or third hike. I think it was the third hike, and I was just like dying. I mean, look, hiking is just walking, yes, but it's hard walking. It's like very hard walking when you're going uphill, and even when you're going downhill, because you're kind of like you're constantly on the brakes. I don't know. It was a lot, but um, the little lake at the bottom of this mountain was gorgeous. It was not just a lake. It was a whole park. Fucking people that live there are so spoiled. Do they have any idea how much people living in like a 300 square foot studio apartment in Manhattan would kill to be able to walk outside of their door, enjoy beautiful fresh air, a big park, fucking outdoor gym. I mean, it wasn't like a gym. It was gym, but it was more like gymnastics-y stuff, but still public little gym to go and get some movement, take your dog out, throw the fucking Frisbee, bring your kayak, your flippers, whatever, get in the, in the lake and just pretend that all is normal and well with the world. I mean, I felt like right now talking about it, I feel murderous, but like in that moment when I was that bitch in my kayak, just looking at the beauty, I felt like I had never heard the word COVID-19. Like it was like I was in a transported into a different world, a different time. I mean, I was Ms. Efron in Iceland. I had never felt so pure and so clean. So it was great. That like that was one of my favorite things that we did. Also, one of the other favorite things that we did was I got to meet Julie from PaleoMG. I presume if you're listening to this podcast, you know who that is, but just in case you don't, um, so Julie is a, a, like an epic blogger slash recipe developer slash fitness program developer, um, just all around influencer. She has, um, I mean, her name kind of says it all. And funnily, funnily enough, you, I know what you're probably thinking. Again, if you follow me on Instagram, you'll know that I go by cupcakes OMG. So I came up with that name very randomly one day because I was super into cupcakes. I was all about like the te- like texting shorthand, OMG, LLL, like very into talking like that. Like I was a six-year-old. So for me, it was just a hybrid. It didn't make sense. Still doesn't. I think I talk about it in my first episode, but my name was just a random name that I came up with. And then not that long after I started blogging, I found her because she was doing something similar to me, except she was going way more. Actually, I take that back. At the time I started blogging, nothing about what I was doing was paleo related. So I'm wrong. But not that long after is when we did start eating paleo and I did start doing research. And then I believe that's when I found Julie's blog. Um, and she was doing nothing but coming up with paleo recipes. So, um, my name has nothing to do with her name. It's just a total coincidence, but, uh, it is a funny coincidence. I've been following her blog and shit for pretty much since then, probably 10 years. And, in the last few years, she's really evolved her brand and started, I mean, it's probably been more than a few years, but like, um, she wanted to open up her, her business. Cause that is her full-time business. It's what she does for a living is, is her blog and all the different elements of business that come from that. So she, several years back, wanted to open it up, not just write recipes. She got into fashion. She got into makeup. She got into wellness. She got into her dog. Like, so all these different, um, like, like 
uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Verticals, all these different verticals. And, um, so I, I, I don't know if, I don't even remember when I started following her on Instagram, but in the last few years I have, and then, I don't know, she came out with a, um, her like athleisure collaboration and I've bought a few of the sets and they're awesome. The price point is very good. The fabrication is so nice. Like literally some of the softest stuff that I own. The fits are really cute. Like she picks good fabrics. So I bought a set um, last fall and then it arrived and then I went on Instagram and I talked about it and then she saw me and so she started following me at that point. So once she started following me, it became really easy to start engaging with her. We would DM and, you know, chat through stuff, whatever. So um, she's super, super cool on Instagram. So anyway, she was following my journey in Puerto Rico. And when she realized I wasn't going to Puerto Rico anymore, and or it had come up and I was like, yeah, we're going to go to Colorado instead. I was like, we're actually not going to be too far from you probably. And she was like, no shit, I'm going to be in Beaver Creek, which is, I guess, like part of the same kind of mountain community. I don't really know how mountains work. They're hard, y'all. There's like a town at the top. There's a town in the middle. There's a town at the bottom. There's a town probably somewhere in the mountain and I didn't discover it. Like I need a code or something. But anyway, so she was going to be like literally 10 minutes from where we were staying at the same exact time. So it was just so fucking random. So I was like, hey, if you don't think I'm a total weirdo, why don't we meet up? And she was like, totally, let's do that. Um, and I don't know if she was just being nice, but she was super chill. So we met the one night that we made plans to meet up and, um, I met her friend, Vanessa. I actually met her very secretive husband, uh, Brian and Vanessa's husband, Dale. So everybody was super nice. We just, I thought maybe, you know, we'll meet up, you know, I don't want to be weird and I don't want to infringe on her vacation either. Um, but then she was like, I'll text you tomorrow. And so we got together the next night uh, which was really fun. And so, yeah, she's exactly what she seems like. She's actually, I would say she's even, she's so much sweeter than you realize. Like she is a sweet person. Like she is like my friend, Audra, who at the end of a night of hanging out at Audra's house, like she'll text you afterward and she'll be like, I'm so glad that you came over. I'm so lucky you're my friend, you know? And I'm like, oh, it's like the sweetest thing. And Julie was the same. She texted you like after you hung out. It's very, very cute. And it made me realize I'm a terrible friend. Why do I have any friends, honestly? I don't check in on people. That's not true, I do, but like, ugh, I really like, it stuck out to me because I just think that's what really, it's like the kind of people that write a handwritten fucking note, you know? It's just like, it's a lost, it's a lost, um, uh, uh, oh God, what is with words today? Not politeness, not behavior. Uh, uh, a lot. It's not an art. I know that that's the expression, but it's like manners, manners, manners. <sighs> anyway, you just don't find manners like that in a lot of places anymore. And she had them coming out the ass. Um, so yeah, she's cool. If you follow her, um, you can follow her in good faith, knowing that she is super, super cool and fun. And we had a great time chatting and, um, and if you don't follow her, you should. She's great. She's got all kinds of shit for you. So yeah, so that all was, so then that was, it was sad to leave Colorado, but at the same time, it was kind of like we were ready. Just after the whole rigmarole of Puerto Rico, it had been like almost two weeks that, since we'd been home. So we were just like a little vacationed out. Also, what the fuck with bloating on vacation? I mean, in general, right? But I was so distended 
and full and bloated just merely by existing in the mountains. And I was so active. Like we were more active there than we are at home. And yet, and I mean, granted, yes, I was absolutely eating worse than I do at home. So I know that what we were eating was part of it. But apparently a lot of people were telling me that, I mean, not only does air travel affect all that stuff, and now I'm going to be buying compression stockings because my friend Lauren told me that I should. <laughs> so that's that's how you know that you're a centenarian, apparently. Um, but I, I also learned that because of a difference in the air pressure, like you're at a much higher altitude. Remember, I live at sea level. I am basically SpongeBob SquarePants, and so to be at all in the air, let alone at a very high mountainous elevation, really fucks with me. Now I didn't feel it, I didn't feel like lightheaded or anything like that, but I did absolutely feel this extreme bloating and Kyle was experiencing it too. And apparently there's an issue with like um, the air pressure and the way that that affects gases in your body. And so yeah, you absolutely can balloon up like a goddamn tick. It was very uncomfortable. And I'm actually, we've only been home a few days, I'm still kind of like reeling from the effects of that. Uh, but yeah, it's a bummer. Um, so all this said, I've done some travel in the new COVID era, and I had a few questions from people over the course of my journey, and I figured I would just answer a few of those questions or like talk through a few things um, in case you were going on vacation at some point in the next couple of months, or you just you know want to know if you should even bother. The first thing I'll say is yes, a hundred and ten thousand percent you should go on vacation, um, even if it's just a quick getaway. In fact, I would recommend a quick getaway, something maybe within a couple hours drive of where you live, because it's a change of scenery. And like we were talking about at the top, this whole community thing, like the, the, the isolation of quarantine and just things being different, you need a new scenery. Like you need a new environment to be in, to feel like you're a part of something, to get yourself out of your abode, whatever that might look like. You need a change of scenery for sure. When we were out there in Colorado, we would go to dinner, obviously. And you have to wear a mask everywhere in Colorado, but when you sit down to eat, which I think is fine, had no problem with. We did not have to wear a mask while we were hiking. Um, we didn't have to wear our mask when we were on the water. Uh, we didn't have to wear our mask, obviously, when we were at a restaurant. So when we went out to eat, and when we were on those hikes, things actually felt normal, dare I say. Um, and I don't say that to be insensitive, to be like, oh, we were able to pretend and fake. It just it was nice to feel like there will be an end to this. Like we will be able to get back to a sense of normalcy in our life. So it was great in that way. So the change of scenery, the feeling like you're a part of something that is not just completely tainted by this whole pandemic would be so good for your mental and physical health. And I can't even begin to imagine people with children right now. Like I can't imagine what your kids are, how, either your kids are doing great because they are too dumb and their frontal lobe is way too small to even understand what's happening, or um, your kids are doing terrible because you're going crazy and you hate them and they can feel that. So one way or the other, you probably deserve a vacation. Even if it is just as simple as like an hour away, you get an Airbnb for the night and that's that. Like that, I guarantee you, will put you in a better headspace. So that's the first thing. Um, also, someone asked about whether rate, hotel rates seemed like they were better because of how, you know, 
fewer people are traveling? The answer is not really. Um, I didn't notice that like, I mean, I think, so we paid for both of our hotels on points, but we can see what the retail value is. Points wise, I think they were maybe a little better, but like not, not impressively so. And then the cash value, we were at a hotel that, um, like for example, in Colorado in particular, that hotel is really prime season in the winter. So their rates were far lower than they are in the winter season, but I wouldn't say they were like low. I mean, they might've been slightly better than normal, but it would still be a pricey hotel if you were paying cash for it. The getaway house I think was like I think it was like 150 a night or so, which for a hotel isn't terrible, um, but it's not a hotel. It's like a little house. You cook your own food and all that. So that's all relative, obviously. So I would say the short and simple answer is I didn't see a tremendous different difference in the hotel rates, but that's where we stayed. I couldn't speak to generally the hotel industry as a whole or what places you might stay. I would just say do some research. Um, of course, typically when you do book last minute, you typically can get better rates, but it's all, it's just all relative. I was just say, take a look. Um, same with our flights. We booked our flights on points. We didn't have to pay for those. When we booked, when, so when we left Puerto Rico, we obviously weren't scheduled to depart that quickly. And so we thought we would have to pay a change fee. I know a lot of the airlines have gone back to charging fees because here's the deal. I'm a small business owner. I totally get it. At some point you do have to resume business as usual. Like you still, we, we all still have bills to pay. So just like continuously giving everyone an out for free is it's just not sustainable, even for a fucking airline. I mean, fuck the airlines, right? Like the, the big fucking behemoths, it's, they're awful. But, 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 but for the most part, it's like, you know, I wouldn't blame them for charging those things like they normally do. But we got a very nice woman on the phone and she did not charge us to change our flights, even though that policy had lapsed. Um, so we didn't change, we didn't have to pay for that. We didn't lose our points on the hotel stay. They reimbursed us on those. They were really extremely apologetic because I'm sure those people were pissed to lose their business. Like in the hospitality industry, you need tourists. Like that's how you pay your bills. So um, anyway, so yeah, hard to say if I think, I don't think the flights are as cheap now as they had been like two months ago, especially because like things are reopened. But if things were to fully close down again, like they did at the start of this thing, maybe, but I don't know. So you know, long story long, uh, I don't know if things are cheaper, but it's not, I wouldn't count on it, I guess is what I would say. However, you might find that there's a little more grace extended for people whose plans change um, than there used to be. Um, I got a lot of questions about the getaway house. Fucking people were like shitting themselves about it. I, I mean, and I guess I, I get it. It was very charming and, and you've probably seen the ads. So you're probably curious. But yeah, everybody wanted to know, like, how did it work? So I hope I answered a lot of those questions when I talked about it a second ago. Um, like someone who asked me where they're located, I don't know. I don't work for them. I'm not the owner of the getaway house. So you need to go online um, and do a little beep boop bop and do a tappy tap in the keyboard and find out where there are any um, and if they're close to you. Like I said, they're not everywhere, but if you live near a major metropolis area, you're prob there probably is one somewhere around you. I think Texas has like at least three locations, 
I'm sure they have more because we're just a big fucking state, but I know they have one somewhere around Dallas. They definitely have the one that we went to around Houston. And then they have something around Austin. But again, not sure where they all are. And so uh, without further elaboration, I would absolutely recommend going. I had a nice time and I'm a hard to please asshole. Um, oh, the other thing I would say about travel is, and I did say this, but I'm gonna say it again. I would strongly discourage going somewhere that you have to fly. Um, obviously, going to Puerto Rico was particularly against that rule. Um, but like we flew to Colorado. I'll come back to that. We flew to Colorado. But like the idea was we could drive back if we needed. Like if something happened either with the weather, which we thought it would be because of course, of course, nothing goes smoothly here we were there was a tropical storm threatening to hit the area and we barely we actually missed it so everything was fine no no issue there but like if we had needed to drive back we could yes it would have been a long drive but it wouldn't have been impossible you cannot however drive back from puerto rico so i would advise against for the time being anyway travel that requires a flight so it's like yeah if you want to fly there if you think that's what you want to do by all means be, I'll talk about the flying experience, but like, just don't get yourself in a position where you might not be able to get home. That would be the big thing. Um, now, as for flying, we were on two different airlines. We flew to Puerto Rico through United, and then we flew to Colorado on Southwest. Um, Southwest was not cheap. We we did not pay for our flights on Puerto Rico to Puerto Rico. We used points, but we did not have points for Southwest. We paid cash for those. And those flights were actually, in my opinion, kind of pricey. And again, we booked them quite last minute. So it's kind of the opposite with airlines as it is with hotels. Usually with hotels, if you book last minute, you can get a good rate. But with airlines, if you book last minute, it's usually really fucking expensive. Um, so United was not lowering capacity on their flights they were selling those fucking middle seats on the way out there we flew the business class so it was just me and kyle sitting next to each other on the way back um we did not we also you know didn't have a lot of options because we booked it literally the night before so we had someone we were in aisle seats um in rows that were like back in front of each other and the flight was full so the flights are full and on united they are not um maxing out at a certain capacity they're just maxing out at the plane capacity which is concerning for me um you know you would hope they would do better but that said southwest was maxing out their capacity they were not selling the middle row but ultimately it's like does that even matter because there's someone in front of me and there's someone behind me and then there's someone across the aisle from me they're, they're not six feet away even if the aisle seats open so it's like if you are planning on taking a plane, just know everybody's gonna be fucking close to you. On United, they booked, they boarded from the back to the front, which is actually how Continental, way, way, way back in the day, used to do it. Quite frankly, that's how it should always be done. I mean, I understand they can get people to pay in order to board in a certain preference, but fuck, man, it just does not make any sense. You should, you just should, you should board from back to front. It should just always be that way. Um, Southwest, oh, and also United. Uh, dis, disboarded the same way. So like, however, whatever the word is, you get off the plane, 
from front to back. So they, and they would manage it. They would call the rows. They'd say rows one through three, you may get off the plane and only those people could stand up. Now again, does it make a huge difference in terms of exposure when you're standing versus you're sitting? Probably not. But they were trying that in that way to manage it. Southwest, on the other hand, would board still based on your group, so A through C or whatever, but they were boarding in smaller chunks. So they boarded A 1 through 10, and then they did A 11 through 20. So they were kind of trying to manage it like that. It's just like, it doesn't matter. Once we're all on the plane for over eight minutes, it's 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 all the same, you know? And I, I guess, I don't know, but that's just kind of what it seems like. Now, everyone has to wear a mask. Um, I think I saw only, like, un I saw under five people total on all of those, in all those different legs of our travel. I think I saw five people who didn't have a mask on when they were, like, going through security. So, in other words, very, very unusual to see someone who's not wearing a mask, um, but in order to get on just about any plane, as far as I'm aware, you have to be wearing a mask and no one gave any issues. No one had any issues with that. Um, but yeah, I just, in general, in general, man, I would just say like, just avoid it if you can. We, I would like to say we won't have to fly again as far as I know, but we do have a wedding that's out in New Hampshire, uh, in October and that does require a flight. That'd be an extremely long drive. Um, it's a family member's wedding and you know, it's an important one. So we want to go, hopefully things, yeah, fuck. I'm like, hopefully things will be better. They won't. Things will be the same. Things will be the same unless there's some random miraculous change of events where there's a cure all of a sudden. It, this is how life is until there's a vaccine y'all period just is. Um, but anyway, so what else? I took these travel, I bought travel wipes. They're like little, you know, antibacterial wipes. So we had the wipes on the plane every, before we sat down, we wiped down everything, the tray, the back of the seat, the seat, the armrests, the seat belts, and then Purell'd our hands. I think United was giving the business class, uh, people wipes, which is a little shitty. Maybe they were giving them to everyone, but I did not get them on all my legs of my flight. I only got them when we sat down in business class. And I didn't even need them because I brought my own. But like shit like that was helpful. Um, yeah, they don't feed you. Actually, I take the back. No, they bring you a snack. But it's like, who cares? Um, you get water. I think they'll still serve you booze. And yeah, but that, that's, that's mostly it. Oh, <laughs> it's... I don't like to get to the airport early anyway because I don't like just hanging out at the airport. That's just not my idea of a good time, you know? Like, yeah, you can sit around and drink, but especially in these days, I didn't want to be at the airport any fucking longer than I have to. Like, if I can get there and there's like five minutes before we board, to me, that's perfect. Um, but the, re the airport in Denver, when we were heading back here to Houston, so just a few days ago, uh, we had like an hour and a half to kill and Kyle was like, okay, let's get a drink or whatever. And so we go to this one, there were like one restaurant that we saw. So we go to the one restaurant and the guy's like, okay, how many, okay, it's like a 10 minute wait. And he's like, when is your, when do you board? And we told him and he's like, oh, that's going to be really tight. I don't know if you want to do it. And then like, I'm off course. I'm like, fuck off, buddy. He wants to have a drink at the bar. If you can't deliver on a drink at the bar within an hour and a half, you got far bigger problems than coronavirus. But like, 
like Kyle like didn't want to make a thing out of it. So we just went to another place. But I'm like, fuck that dude. Fuck that 12 year old with zits on his face, probably from all the maskney he's getting telling you, you cannot, you don't have enough time. Oh my God. He's probably the kind of person that needs to get to the airport four hours early. I can't, I cannot. I just hate that shit. So anyway, that was the only like weird thing we had. Otherwise security was fine. Light even. Yeah. Um, so hopefully that's helpful. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you're not planning on going somewhere, but again, I would strongly reconsider if you have the ability and you have the means, find a way to take a little trip two to three nights. Perfect. You know, and if you can go even longer, even better. Um, so definitely recommend, but I think that covered, oh, you know what? I was going to talk about something else. I'm going to save it for next week. I'm going to save it. It's a big one and I just don't have time. We've gone on, we've gone on far too long. Um, you probably turned this off an hour ago. So I'm going to wrap it up there. And if you, um, have other questions about whether it's travel or um, the Zac Efron show, you want to talk to me about the blues, whatever it is, you know where you can find me aside from hell is on Instagram. And on there, I'm cupcakesomg, as I mentioned. Um, for sure, that's the best place to find me and shoot me a message. And hey, um, if you liked this podcast, or even if you didn't, um, I would just recommend subscribing anyway. <laughs> because then if you hate it, you'll get a reminder every time there's a new episode. <laughs> It'll automatically download to your phone. Isn't that fun? Well, if you don't like it, you can tell someone who you know about it. It's also okay to hate listen. That's fine. Um, ratings are ratings. But if you um, if you enjoy it, give it a little subscribe. Feel free to leave a five-star review. Nothing less. Five stars are nothing. Five stars or nothing. Um, and then, oh, by the way, if you really want to make my day, you could leave me a little, leave me a little comment. Leave a little review there. Say what you like about it. Uh, and then uh, that's it. That's all I got for y'all this week. Um, that's it. That's everything. That's right, bitches. I will catch you next time. Bye.